It wasn't the game that we all hoped for, that we all were hyping up for a couple of weeks, but we got to the end of the Super Bowl. Tom Brady won ring number seven. And now on episode 37 of the Glass of Joe podcast, we will talk about it. Joe Malpe here alongside PJ Glasser, as always. And we will wrap up the NFL season and start looking ahead to the next NFL season with today's guest, NFL punt returner, kick returner, one of the all-time greats of the Washington football team, Brian Mitchell. Pleased to be joined this week by NFL great, current analyst for NBC Sports Washington, and now the co-host of B. Mitchell Philly on 106.7 The Fan. First of all, congrats on that, Brian Mitchell. We really appreciate you coming on the pod. How's everything going? Oh, no problem, man. Uh, everything's going well, you know. Uh, I, I'm sorry I'm a little late. That's <laughs> all good. That's all good. Time doesn't exist in the world of COVID, man. Off the bat. <laughs> there you go. Time, time is a totally different concept now ever since COVID started. Like, if you're late... Maybe you're early. Maybe you're late. It doesn't matter. It's all it's all relative at this point. Yeah. Uh, but we'll jump right in. We won't keep you too long. Football season just ended. You got to ring yourself. What does it feel to wake up? Feel like to wake up on Monday morning, the night after that Super Bowl, knowing that you just did what you guys just did. Uh, you have a headache. <laughs> 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 you're probably suffering from a hangover. But no. Nah, but ultimately, what it is is like you know. I think in anything that you do, and you want to be the best at it. And I think it's the ultimate team sport. You're looking at football where you have, um, back then it was 47 guys dressing out. You had a total of about 53 guys on the team per se. Now they have like up to 60 some people. But ultimately you go through a season, you work out. The other teammates are working out. You have to worry about your know, injuries. They have to worry about COVID at this time. You know, making sure guys are, are, are going to be prepared to play. And then you finally get to that final game and you win it. You know, for me, it was like something I've always dreamed of. And when I finally woke up, you know, it's something they can't take away from. You know, I still put on that ring and, and I smile. You know, of course. <laughs> I look at it like, you know what? Yes, this is something that I set out to do, set out wanting to be. But it wasn't just all about me. I had to do my part. But, you know, ultimately the team came together and I believe the best team ever to play the game of football. There you go. Nice. And now a quick follow up to that. I don't know if you saw all the videos today of uh of the Buccaneers on their boats and Tom Brady chucked the Super Bowl trophy from one boat to the other um was your did your guys parade get that wild at any point or or was it more mellow than that <laughs> uh, we were a little wild but we weren't on on water you know <laughs> I was a little jealous you know they floated <laughs> things of that nature whereas 87 degrees it was freezing when we did ours we did it on the mall uh it was tons of people out there but I don't think anybody threw the Lombardi trophy <laughs> to anyone yeah, yeah, that's Tom Brady. You look at him; he's one risky. He knows where he's letting it go to. There you go. That's true. And B. Mitch, when you think about Brady and just what separates him from every other quarterback, like why has he been able to win seven Super Bowls? If you can pinpoint maybe one characteristic, what would you say it is? I say the fact that they drafted him in the sixth round. Uh, they drafted him in the sixth round, and that was something that kind of pissed him off. And he hasn't stopped being pissed off ever since then. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Tom Brady, uh, you hear all this talk about, you know, TB12 and all those different type of things and his workout mindset. He's actually everything that you hear about him. He works as hard as anybody, he takes care of his body, and he believes in himself. You know, think about this. If the NFL wouldn't just automatically start saying that people are too old when they hit 30 years old, a lot more guys would go past it. But quarterbacks get a different uh, a leeway, a little bit more leash than other players. So they get to play beyond 30. Well, Tom Brady is still producing. You know, what team truly you, – you say the Patriots now are a little dumb because he's in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But think about it, if, if, if after this year – he's 43. 
And uh, Tampa Bay would say, well, we're not going to let him play again. No, he plays until he wants to walk away yeah. from this game. And I think that's the ultimate thing. You look at him. You look at Michael Je- Michael Jordan. You look at the way Kobe was. Hell, look at Obi right in this town. Yeah. Those are guys that they hit a certain age. We thought Obi was uh, starting to fall off about four or five years ago. What you think about that now? Not at <laughs> LeBron all. too. I mean, they just <laughs> age like fine wine. <laughs> yeah. Guy, some guy, and, and and today it's no longer about thirty. You know, Jay Z a few years back said forty is the new twenty. Hell, I think fifty might be the new twenty because I'm fifty two years old. I jump on my bike, I go ride my friends thirty miles, fifty miles, forty miles, hundred miles. You know, and I know a lot of people that are way younger than me that damn sure can't do it. So <laughs> it's what you have inside of you. And how do you prepare yourself to be able to do that? Because, you know, I, I talk to this guy on uh, Instagram all the time, uh, Kyle, Kyle, Miles by Kyle. This dude is running. This is his 41st straight day of running. His goal is to run in a uh, race where it's 70, it's uh, th- 24 hours. You run a 5K every hour. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm done just thinking about that. I'm I was going to say, I'm it. sweating just thinking about it. So, you know, but it's just, it's what, what do you want to do? And will you prepare yourself to be able to do it? Because the thing I've always told people, when I played football, I knew I could play four quarters hard because I pushed myself starting to, like today. They don't play preseason. And then we see the first one, two, three games, people start getting hurt a lot. Well, the way we prepare for preseason was the first game you go a whole quarter. The next game you go two. The following game you go three. Now you have to go do some running or do something after that because you're not, they're not going to let you play four. But ultimately, I knew that this body was ready to go four quarters. And that's the same thing about everybody else. And I think Tom Brady understands. I will get this done because he's pushing, he's put himself through it. And you have to go through it to know what you can do. I'll tell you what, that TB12 method too might be why he got – Chipsy real quick today because he probably hasn't had a drop of alcohol in a couple of months. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you, but listen, man, it's, it's, it's allowed when you win the big one. Of course. Especially number seven, that's for sure. There you go. Talking about the game itself, the Super Bowl, were you more impressed with Todd Bowles and what the Tampa Bay defense did, or were you just more disappointed, surprised with the lack of game plan, it seemed like, from Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, and not accounting for how banged up their O-line was? Well, I think uh, I was more uh, uh, impressed by what Todd did because this game today is made for the offense to be successful, to be totally honest with you. Uh, But ultimately, when you see a defensive team get on the field and can dominate an offense, and especially that offense, it says a lot because you look at that first game they played, I don't think uh, Devin White played. Okay, I don't know if Vita Vea played. So you, now you're I mean, getting – The was definitely out. Yeah, he was so definitely out. I don't know about why. They rushed with four. They now – Patrick Mahomes would break people's back by running. He ran a little bit early. But now all of a sudden, you have Devin White starting to watch him, slow blitzing him, doing different things to where what they do well, you're taking it away. They didn't play man-to-man like they did in a quarter in the, in the game they played previously where Tyreek Hill went for, went for 200 yards. In the they first quarter. <laughs> played more zone. Then I got him in third and long, and then I started switching it up on you. I make it look like I'm in his own, but I'm in man. Make it look like I'm in man, but I'm in his own. So I think Todd has done, he did a terrific job, you know. And and I really I believe they could have gave uh, MVP to somebody from the defense, and I wouldn't have had Absolutely. a problem. Absolutely, I understand Tom definitely, there, but he was not the best player on the football field that day. Absolutely, and uh, 
B. Mitch, I'm curious. My favorite week of the NFL season is the divisional round. Joe loves championship week. I know the Super Bowl was your favorite game that you played in, but now as a football fan just watching these games, do you still enjoy Super Bowl week the most, or is it one of those other playoff weeks? Uh, I love Super Bowl week the most because normally I'm at the Super Bowl. I'm at that week. That's true. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I get a chance to be on Radio Row, and uh, it, it's a big, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, a reunion. You know, you get mm. a lot, of, a lot of friends, a lot of friends, uh, former players, coaches that you've known coming through Radio Row. You get to run into a lot of people, a lot of parties. You get a chance to make a lot of money. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but all, it's just, it's just like that, that one time of the year when you get back with your guys. And I'm finding out that the stories are getting better and better, longer and longer, and more lies are told. How, how, I, was just, I was just going to say, if you didn't, if you didn't finish by saying that, I was going to ask you how how many details over the years have changed from those stories. Oh, instead of running a instead of running the touchdown for seventy five, we had hundred and seventy five yards. <laughs> that that forty yard dash you ran is no longer four four; it was a four one four. Now look, the season just ended, but we know the NFL never sleeps. It's already time to look at free agency and the draft, and. The Washington football team already went ahead and made a move. They re-signed Taylor Heineke for a two-year deal. First of all, incredible story for him. Went from taking math classes at Old Dominion to now a two-year deal in the NFL. Um, I know the fans loved what he did in the playoff game, but realistically, what are the chances that he is the starting quarterback uh, the first week for Washington this year? Well, I, I think this, it, it was great that he got a contract, and I think he deserved a chance to be back on his team and competing for a job. But that contract doesn't say that he's going to be the starter next year. You know, but I think if you – it's going to be how the, the chips start falling on other teams. What if we were to get one of the guys that we've been out looking for? I think the other guy would come in as a starter. But as Ron Rivera stated, you have to have every position at that. I mean, every level of that position solidified. You don't just get a great starting quarterback and then the rest of your, back, your, your two backups are just, well, nah, you know, whatever. You know, Taylor Heineke showed that he can play. I think last year he ran the offense better than anybody that played on this football team. All four quarterbacks that took a snap. So he'll be here. But I, I, I don't know if I can put a percentage on it. I would just say this. What I saw Taylor Heineken do is what I preach to every kid that a parent asks me to talk to their kids about. I say, you're not going to always get the opportunity that you, that you want. But when you get the opportunity, you, make, you better make damn sure that you're ready for it. He was ready for it. You know, while that kid was out, he talked about it, uh, you know, a little bit in his press conference. While he was in class, you know, trying to do all these math classes and he got two more to go so he could get his, uh, <laughs> his master's. But while he was doing all that, he was still working out. You know, he had friends that were telling him, you know, you can't quit. Instead of the friends saying, you know, oh, man, you know, you work so hard. No, 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 you can't quit. You have that dream. He had people pushing him along the way. So if you're going to have, uh, if you're going to be persistent, you know, you're going to believe in yourself and you're going to be willing to be dedicated and go do the things you're supposed to do. Just like we were talking about Tom Brady a little bit earlier. When you get an opportunity, you're going to help yourself. Just think about this. He was sitting in class just last year. Crazy. He just signed a two-year, an $8.7 something million dollar deal. If I can go buy a stock today that in about three or four months that's going to go from whatever I'm doing to give me $8.7 million on it, that's a hell of an uh, investment, isn't it? So he invested himself ready to go forward. Of course. And now you talk about what the other chips that may fall could be. Uh, a lot of the mock, we'll start with the draft. A lot of the mock drafts that we've kind of seen start to pop up because, you know, Super Bowl ends and that next day, all yep. the writers are pressing send uh, on their article for the mock draft. Uh, a lot of them have Washington taken either uh, Mac Jones from Alabama or a receiver. Mm -hmm. Would you be happy with them taking a quarterback in the first round or would you rather them 
address other needs and then circle back to getting a franchise quarterback in 2022. I know Ron Rivera is a guy who likes to build that foundation before he kind of drops that chip in there. The way I look at the quarterback position, I believe if you see somebody that you believe is the guy or that's the guy you think is going to be the guy, you take him and you move forward with it. doesn't make a difference where you pick him at, uh, what it's going to cost you, because it is a, um, a, a, a art that's not perfect. <laughs> you know, we, we, we see Patrick Mahomes, we see Tom Brady, we see Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and we think they all come like that. How many others were drafted higher than those guys? Okay. Well, those guys weren't even all drafted high themselves. You know, yeah. How many of those guys that, you know, but how many guys got drafted? But Peyton Manning was a top guy up there. But think about a lot of the rest of the guys. Guys that got drafted, how many quarterbacks were not in the league? I mean, how many how many of those quarterbacks combined that were drafted in the first round? Tom Brady has played more years than them all put together. All you got to do is think back the last few years. The last few years, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, uh, Cam Newton, Mariota, James Mariota, exactly. Yep. <laughs> all these guys who were number one picks, Sam Darnold, yep. they're not solidified starters anymore. It's it's totally true, guess, and that's the thing of it. So for me, uh, if you're going to uh, not have a guy who you think is that quarterback, then you must you must make yourself stronger in every position. You know, I, I believe, and I said, and people, they, I guess they, they turn their nose up, I played quarterback from high school all the way through college. And I believe it's the most dependent position in sports. You can't do a damn thing at quarterback without somebody else, okay? So, yes, Tom Brady looked good because Tom Brady has been, he was in that system a long time. This year he had tons of weapons. He normally had a great defense. He had a great coach. He had a great control over his team. You look at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has had some talent. People say, oh, you don't have talent. Your running back runs for 20-something yards, 22 touchdowns in 2019, and then your receiver had like 20 receiver touchdowns. You played with some other guys too. You know, Patrick Mahomes, look at his weapons that he had. Look at the people that played with Peyton Manning. So you're going to have someone. Joe Montana had a hell of an offense that he was playing with. But ultimately, that quarterback, if your quarterback is playing from here down, you're going to have problems. But if you find a quarterback who plays from here up, Good things can happen. The thing I like about a guy like a Mahomes, he does both of them, you know? And I think that's the ultimate thing. But you must be able to play the game up here, okay? You're not going to just go out there and overwhelm anybody. I don't care how fast you are. You will get hit eventually. And if you're very fast, you're not very big. And if you're not very big, you will get hurt. So ultimately, you got to start thinking here. Most of the quarterbacks that are super successful in this league, they play from the pocket. Don't play outside the pocket. They use it when they need to use it. But those guys know how to maneuver around the pocket. Tom can't run. Okay? <laughs> how well does he move around in the pocket? That's all you need to learn how to do. And now you mentioned some of the more proven guys, and your mind goes to the, to the quarterbacks who have those rumors heating up, Deshaun Watson, all the rumors. Out of nowhere, Russell Wilson, all the rumors. <laughs> now, there's obviously, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. So maybe there's something to them. How aggressive would you be? if you were the GM of the Washington football team in trying to get a guy like that, I know the whole hot topic in, yeah. in, in TV shows and radio the last few days, would you go as far as giving up Chase Young to get Deshaun Watson or Russell no, Wilson? No. I'm not giving up Chase Young to get anybody. I think the ultimate thing about that is this. You want to have a quarterback on both sides of football. Hmm. Chase is your quarterback on the other side of football right now. Deshaun yeah. Watson at this point, if you take Deshaun Watson, and you give up what they're asking for, per se, two firsts, two seconds, and two starters on defense. Do you hurt your football team? Do you hurt your chances of growing something around them? I heard Marty Herney and also Martin Mayhew talking about it. And they said, 
if the thing about getting a great quarterback, you need to have something around them. Yeah. You need to have somebody to protect them and somebody for them to throw the ball to. And I believe if you go get that guy, and right now you don't have Terry, you need some help for Terry McLaurin. You, you need to have a legitimate backup for Antonio Gibson. So if you go get him, who is he going to really be throwing the ball to all day? And then the defense that you saw play last year, will they play the same? The, the, the schedule is going to be a little bit more difficult. It won't be as easy as well last year, although we won seven games. So I believe you don't just dismantle a team just to get a great quarterback. I know a lot of guys believe in that because I think that if you can have an above average quarterback and a great defense with a running game, which people want to forget about in this day and age, you can win football games. Point blank. You talk about a great defense, good running game, good head coach. I wanted your thoughts on what you thought of Stafford to the Rams, if you like that, and then your thoughts on Wentz going either to Chicago or Indy. See, the thing, whole thing about Stafford going to the Rams, uh, there's a, a lot of times when, when we in D.C. only think that we're the only team out there that people want to – that we can trade and we can give people whatever we want to give them. Stafford had a choice of going to, between the Rams and the Washington football team. The Rams were in the Super Bowl just a couple years ago. The Rams are, 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 have been in the playoffs since, since uh, my man Sean McVay got there. So if you're a quarterback, where do you choose to go? You know, we love the Burgundy and Gold, so we'll say, oh, man, he should have come. No. Yeah, th- supposedly Washington offered b- it was a better offer. Okay. Was it better because we think it was? Because I think the offer that, that Matthew Stafford do- took was better for him. He yeah. saw somebody already. Look at the defense that they have there. Look, if, if Jared Goff played a little better football, they could have probably ended up in the Super Bowl again this year. So I just think that it, it, it comes down to when you're trying to go out there, you better make sure you have a trade partner, somebody that, want, that wants to work with you, or you offering somebody that they want. I always go back to back in the day, Scott Jackson used to always do his radio show. And guys would call and say, man, we should trade, trade Peter John Ramos for Shaq. Who the hell gonna give you shit for Peter John Ramos? I think that's how we think in this town. We we fall in love with people, and we think that people will just take them. No, the other team needs to want what you're trying to give them to get something from them. And then, B. Mitch, give me a team who you think could maybe be this year's Buffalo. They had maybe a good season, but they're on the cusp of really taking that next jump and competing for a Super Bowl. Mm, mm, mm. I. I I hate saying it because they go people that must sound like a home. I, I'll say if this team gets better offensively, it could probably be somebody in the playoffs and making some. Money. Now, before you before you go ahead and give your explanation for that, just to, to vouch for this, I'm not a Washington fan. I'm a Jets fan. You see the stuff behind me. I 100 percent agree with you. I think, yeah, that, I, I think they have back. what it takes. Now, there's a team down there in uh, South Florida that made some noise this year. Yes, Miami, a, a scary team. That yeah, they could be very very scary. Are you? Do you like Tua? Are you? Are you a fan of his? I I, I like Tua, but you think about this: <laughs> Miami has everything it takes to get the Sean Watson down there. Think about that. Yeah. They have extra draft picks, tons of them. The Jets also have all those picks, you know. But I don't know if that organization is ready to do it because the organization is a little screwed up. But <laughs> also has the weather, and, and it's a it's a nice town. No you know, state tax. Hey, look, no state tax. <laughs> you go down there and play. You always have good weather in home games, right. man. Woo! So I can vouch for it. A team yeah. with the right quarterback. Even, even Tua will make them better because he'll understand the game now. But if they can go over there and get, in, get right back to it, 49ers, that yes. team, yes. they've also been in that uh, that, that hoopla of uh, Deshaun Watson. 
Yep. You don't want to see them get Deshaun Watson. No, no. you really don't. <laughs> that running game, that, 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 listen, we may not like Shanahan, but Kyle knows how, and it's dad. Hell Jones. of a coach, yeah. They get that type of quarterback? Ooh, Lord, Lord. And I, I can vouch for you as far as Deshaun, when it comes to the Jets or the Dolphins, I'm from Jersey. I'm 20 minutes away from the Jets stadium. I work now. I work now in Miami. So I can definitely tell you that the weather is a lot better if he goes to the Dolphins than if he comes to the Jets. And that's, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. He can eat good steak and he can, go, <laughs> he can have all the Latin food and everything else down there. Great. Now, B-Mitch, we end all our interviews. We do two segments. We got the Swift 7, seven rapid-fire questions for you. And then we got a trivia question for you at the end. Yeah. Uh, so our seven questions for you. The first one, will Tom Brady win another Super Bowl before he retires? Seventy mm-hmm. percent that he could. Okay, seventy percent. Right. Got you. Right. Who is currently your favorite player to watch in the NFL? Tyreek Hill. I mean, the guy can do so many things. Stop, start. You know, he's not the biggest guy. He will run past you anyway, and he can do so much. That's the yeah. whole thing about it. He can do everything, not just run the deep route. He can run the intermediate routes. He run the screens. He run the ball the backfield. He can do it all. Best player that you ever played against? Best player I ever played against? I say played against because he's on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to go with, uh, with Lawrence Taylor. Okay. But if I had to look at the offensive side because they were on the teams against me, yep. Barry Sanders and, uh, and Jerry Rice, they weren't too shabby themselves. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, favorite stadium that you, you played in? Favorite stadium? Hmm. I would say my favorite stadium was Old Vet Stadium in Philadelphia because okay. the fans talk so much trash. <laughs> and I had so many good games against them. They just elevated my game. You know, I, I felt like they were very much like the Spike Lee of football. And if you weren't mentally tough, you couldn't play against them. And then when I went up there to play for them, I had some damn good games because they saw and realized I was exactly like they were. All right, I got three more for you here to finish this out. And then PJ's got the trivia question. Number five, a favorite sport to watch other than football? Hockey. Hockey, all right. Physical uh, is fast as hell, and I, <laughs> I, I absolutely love it because, you know, I watch the other sports. Baseball, I go to sleep. Golf, I love because I play it. I love to play it. Um, you know, I mean, but but basketball, I watch that too. I, you know, I just see too many people flopping and crying. But <laughs> hockey, absolutely love. And I was going to say, it's a good time right now, especially with all the thing going on with the Caps. So you got that going for you there. Uh, number six, outside of winning a Super Bowl, because that's obviously the pinnacle, uh, what was your favorite moment from your career as a player? Favorite moment? I would say the first time I ever touched the football. Mm-hmm. You know, I go out there and um, I'm, I'm moving from quarterback after playing quarterback for nine years and uh, had turned down a deal to go to Canada and play quarterback. And then ultimately, my goal, they tell me I'm going to make the team be in a punter kick returner. And getting an opportunity and I think having success so early was the reason that I fell in love with and wanted to do it. I returned a touchdown in the opening opening preseason game of preseason that year. We were playing against Atlanta Falcons in uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I caught it and was gone. In the rest of the <laughs> nice. All right. I saved the best question for last. Who would you put your money on in a fight? Pete Haley or J.P. Finley? <laughs> they didn't kill Pete. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the little the little Oh, I saw it. That was the inspiration for the I question. Like 60%. <laughs> so funny. Think about Pete. Pete doesn't like contact. And most of the most of any alter, any altercation he gets in, he loses it before it starts because he thinks he's gonna get knocked out. You can't win fights or anything if you think you're gonna get knocked out. And I was gonna say follow-up to that. Two on one, JP and Pete against Mitch. 
I guess if you're saying that Pete is checking out mentally, it's one on one. And in that case, who would you take? Look, JP and, 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 and Pete, we went on a golf trip and they tried to jump B Mitch. Oh, God. And JP ended up with a knot of something on his nose and Pete almost got his trachea pulled out. <laughs> so Mitch would kill him. <laughs> Big Mitch would kill him. Yes. Uh, all right, B Mitch. So the trivia question it's Brian Mitchell personalized trivia for you. All right. So back in 1995, you were first team all pro as a kick returner and a punt returner. So we wanted to know if you could tell us who your fellow all pros were at the at the five positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, kicker and punter. We picked those positions because they impact you the most. Yep. You, you, you had those kickers and punters sending you the ball. And you got the, the other skilled players on offense. So, PJ, uh, he's going to – it's going to be – tell you who. You, you got 90 <laughs> seconds, 90 seconds or three strikes? Well, I, I'll probably get three strikes. I'm, was Jerry Rice on it? <laughs> Jerry Rice was a receiver. That is correct. Of, he was in the Pro Bowl with me. Barry Sanders? Barry Sanders was a running back. Go. That is correct. We're, yep. Uh, but this guy was on the other side. The guy from San Diego, he was a kicker from the other side, though. I don't, so, who else is a quarterback – the kicker and get, the punter. Yeah, for yeah. the all pros. Mm, I, I don't remember the kicker and the punters. I'll give you a hint because you because you're going the right way. Yeah, the punter, you, you were, said the you right were on team. the right you, you, you said were on the, the right, right team. Georges, the, the the guy I forgot his name though. He he was the uh, Australian rules kicker. Darren Bennett, that's who you're thinking of. There you go. There, there you, you go. go. <laughs> give it to you. All right, we'll got that you. one. Uh so yeah, kicker quarterback and quarterback. And the kicker. Kicker Anderson? Yes. There you go. All you need is a quarterback. Damn, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quarterback. Was it? Oh, man. The quarterback. So if Jerry was there, that was 95. Was Joe gone? Young? Steve Young? Not Steve Young. Nope. Right. One. You got two shots left, and all you need is a quarterback. Oh, man. I am stuck. Ugh. Hell, they wouldn't throw me the ball. Why should I do it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a clue. Quarterback was Brett Favre. Brett Favre. Favre. Now, I, played, I played college football against Brett Favre. We met three times. Okay. I, my team won two. And my stats destroyed his stats. I was a quarterback. There you go. There you we go. One, my last game against Brett Favre, every time I see him, I tell him, I say, remember I had 343 yards passing? He said, yeah. I said, plus I had 134 rushing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That was Louisiana and Southern Miss, right? There you you go. Miss. And that dude was a competitor, believe me. You, when you saw it in the pros, if you saw any of his uh, time in the pros oh, yeah. in college. We're young. We're not that young. Come on now. <laughs> he is, I'll tell you, he is a competitor, believe me, straight up. That's 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 awesome that you guys met three times in uh in, That's a, that's in a cool little nugget that, yeah. I, I, that would have never crossed my mind. <laughs> They go put them up. Southern Miss against uh against uh, USL at the Raging Cages, and look at those stats. Was he? I, I, do you I think he up. was the best uh, the best college player that you got to see in your time in college that you played against? Mm, played against uh, Barry Sanders. Okay, yeah, he was. And, and Thurman Thomas on the same team. There's some better ones. They beat us by sure. one. But then when you flip it over, man, I played against Derek Thomas. Ooh. Ooh. Defensive. Uh, okay. Yeah. 
I went to Bama, so yeah, Derek Thomas, they talk about him all the time. Believe me, I played against him and McCants. I played against him as well. So uh, it was some guys I played against in college, but Brett was a damn good one. But Barry and Thurman, whew. Of all the NFL players I wish I could have seen play, I think Barry Barry Sanders at the top of the list. It's Just, up there. All you got to do is get a joystick. That was him. He was a human joystick. It's right, look, it's right up there for me. It's it's B. Mitch and then Barry Sanders. Those are True. the two that I wish I got to see in their prize. <laughs> Thank you, B. Mitch. Well, we appreciate you joining us, man. Congrats again on the radio show. Joe and I have enjoyed listening to it uh, since you and JP Every have day. gotten it. And uh, really, it was in. awesome talking football with you. We appreciate Take it. Y'all have a great night, man. All right, man. Take you too. Okay. PJ, it was great having B and Mitch on and offered up that perspective. Um, look, at, at the end of the day, uh, starting with what he said about the Chiefs game plan versus the Bucks game plan, all of the credit in the world has to go to Todd Bowles. Like, it, it, the enemy Reed got punched in the mouth and did not have a response for it. And Bowles didn't just punch him in the mouth once. He kept punching them in the mouth. He kept changing things up. Uh, Having him as the Jets coach for four years, I knew what he could be. I knew what he was as a defensive coordinator before the Jets hired him. And I felt utmost confidence that he would be back to an elite defensive coordinator after the Jets got rid of him because he is so good at that job. And what he was able to do was just phenomenal. It's going to go down in history probably as one of the best ever performances from a defensive coordinator. I'm not, I don't think I'm exaggerating in saying that. You have an all-time offense in the Chiefs, and he made it look like a local rec football team. Mahomes has never lost by more than one possession, I believe, in his NFL career. He's obviously never had a game where he's never scored a touchdown. Todd Bowles and his defense were able to accomplish both of that. I agree. The defense, the Bucks defense was sensational, but I still put a lot of blame on the Chiefs. I think, I think they just looked at that first matchup that they had this season, and they, they looked at how easy that first quarter was. Tyreek Hill went for over 200 yards. Mahomes was doing anything he wanted, and they just assumed that even without their banged-up O-line that they could have kind of run their same offense and – they would have the same kind of success, and we clearly saw that was not the case. Devin White, I can't remember a postseason from a defensive player. We've had quarterbacks um, who have had remarkable postseasons, but from a defensive player, Devin White was already a star entering the playoffs, but he might just be the best middle linebacker. Von Miller, that year that they won Super Bowl 50, that's the last one where I can remember a defender – just being that yes. elite throughout every single game of the postseason. And think about the def- the offenses that they were facing. I mean, he had to go up against the Chiefs. He had to go up against the Packers. Mm-hmm. He had to go up against the Saints and all their moving parts. The team that had the best offense against the Bucs yeah. was Taylor Heineke in Washington, and White it's didn't crazy. play in that game. <laughs> so a lot of credit to Tampa. It's just it's unbelievable that Tom Brady can make it look this easy. And I'm very the- curious – I'm very curious, sorry to cut you off. I'm very curious, one more note on the Chiefs before we get to Brady, and I will let you go with Brady because it's incredible. Um, I'm curious to see next season how they come out of the gates. So we saw the Ravens kind of get figured out in the playoffs last year against the Titans. Then this year, you know, they there were games, they just didn't look the way they were last year on offense. Part of it was the O-line. Part of it was, um, again, teams just playing them better because they're starting to catch up a little bit. I'm curious if this Super Bowl can serve as that blueprint for teams to start slowing down the Chiefs on a more regular basis. I don't know if you can, because I think you have to have the personnel the Bucks have, and not every team has that clearly. Uh, not every team will be able to do what Bulls did, which was just say, hey, White, Levante, David, you all just sit back 
and you spy Mahomes, you cover if somebody comes across you. You guys run four fours anyway, so you're kind of like safeties and, and can do whatever you want. Uh, hey, and Dominican Sue uh, and everybody else on that line, Shaq Barrett, JPP, Vita Vea, I'm going to trust you guys to just rush four. Oh, secondary, just drop back, play 20 yards deep, don't let them get behind you. That's kind of the blueprint, but it's a lot easier said than done because, again, not every team has that loaded of a front four, those two elite middle linebackers that have the speed of, sec- of players in the secondary. Uh, but the blueprint could be there if teams have close enough personnel. Uh, but I, I do think, though, that it'll be another offseason for Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy to kind of go back to the drawing board and start countering that with whether it's more of a running game, uh, whether it's quicker passes underneath and not relying so much on the downfield game like they do. I think they'll have an answer for it, but I do think there's a possibility for that blueprint to be out now and how to slow them down because you'll never stop them permanently. It no. took a perfect performance. It took a terrible performance from the Chiefs, perfect performance from the Bucks to stop them the way they did. You'll never stop them like that, but you can start slowing them down maybe with that blueprint, which, start, which Vic Fangio started to give out when they played uh, the Broncos because he has somewhat of that personnel. But again, the reason the Chiefs were able to still overcome the Broncos is because they didn't have the elite caliber personnel that the Bucks have. Right, yeah, Von Miller hardly played at all this season. But you mentioned, I mean, to beat to beat the Chiefs, to beat any good offense in the NFL, you have to rush four, especially in today's NFL mm-hmm. where defenses are such a at a disadvantage, such an offensive league with how the penalties are geared towards helping offenses more than defenses. You you have to be able to rush four. I think the Bucks really only blitz like two or three times in the Super Bowl because they didn't need to. They got home with four every time. The amount of plays where all four pass rushers for Tampa were in the backfield when Mahomes is running around was unbelievable. He ran for 497 yards without throwing the ball, just running, scrambling around, trying to avoid – that might be the dumbest stat I've ever heard. I mean, a lot of that is because of how great Mahomes' arm <laughs> strength told is. Me that he, so he knows that, you know, he can, he can run if you backwards. you told me that he ran for 497 yards, of course, if you would have told me he ran for 497 yards and was pressured on 29 of his dropbacks, and that my – uh, over four and a half sacks prop would have lost, I would have told you you were crazy. There's no way my over four and a half sacks prop was going to lose with those stats, and it somehow did. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks, the Bucks defense was fantastic. But going over to Brady, I mean, like, he has as many NFC championships as Rodgers does, as Breeze does. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's not so, – football is the ultimate team game. We see it all the time in the NBA, how you can get one guy – and it can just totally change your team, whether that be LeBron or Durant or whoever it is. But in football, man, you can have the quarterback, you can have the running back, you can have the receivers. But if your defense stinks, I mean, you can't play both sides of the ball. So the fact that this team had Jameis Winston for four or five years could never make the playoffs with, I mean, essentially this personnel, they've obviously added some pieces over the years. But for the most part, this offense and then Tom Brady just steps right in and he yeah. leads into the Super Bowl and wins it. It's it's remarkable. It really is. I don't think he's done yet. And, and the next two things we want to toss up here uh, kind of go hand in hand. So we'll start with the quarterback question. You mentioned how important it is and, and how getting him as opposed to Winston with the same things around him. Yeah. Uh, the title Watson, Wentz and Wilson, the three W's that are yeah. in in conversations now and Sam Donald those are the four quarterbacks that could be on the move I'm not buying the Wilson talk I, think I was that's gonna just say him 
trying yeah, to use standing. his clout in the media. Uh, but Watson, Wentz, Donald seem to be on the move. Same thing with the Texans. Like, I don't buy the whole, oh, we're standing firm on, on Watson. If that ship has sailed, which it certainly seems it has, he's getting traded. Uh, but question, all four of those quarterbacks, where will they take their snaps week one of 2021? I'll tell you what, Joe, the most intriguing one to me is Darnold because a lot of people think he's going to get moved before the draft. I'm wondering if the Jets draft Zach Wilson, who it seems like they'll take at number two, if they do indeed draft a quarterback, do they draft Wilson, put the two of them together in training camp? We see all the time that quarterbacks teams have injuries during training camp preseason and do the Jets use that desperation of a team and trade Darnold at that point? Uh, you know, everybody's like they should ship him off now. They should get even more draft picks. I almost think you draft Wilson. You see what you got with Darnold and Wilson. And then you trade Darnold maybe when a team gets desperate because somebody out there will get desperate. Look at the Cowboys this year with Dak. You're telling me they might not have made a move for Darnold during the middle of the season. Before um, we get to the other QBs then, no, just pause there a second. I, I see what you're saying, but with all the talk now from Schefter, from Mort, from all these guys who are in those circles, from, from Jeremy Fowler, the price for him, it seems like, is a one, whether it's the, the Saints, Colts, Bears, Washington football team, all these teams that are in the back 15 of the first round mm-hmm. are willing to give up a first. I don't think the Jets could possibly get any more than that. So I, if it were me and if they've made the decision – to if Watson's off the table hypothetically and they're and they've made the decision to draft Wilson I think you got to just move Sam now because I wouldn't want to hitch my wagon to hoping someone gets hurt it always happens somebody always gets hurt inevitably but how much more would you get than a one right now like if it comes down to training camp and knock on wood god forbid Tom Brady goes down with an injury right and the Bucks are like well we still have this core around him around him we could still make some noise you know a team like that, all right, they're going to give you their one. And, and what else? Maybe a three or a four. Are you really going to hold out and hope somebody gets hurt in training camp just to get an extra third or an extra fourth round pick when a first round pick is probably already on the table now? Uh, if a first round pick weren't already on the table now, according to all these sources, again, Shefty, Moore, all these guys have been in on it saying back half of the first round, they're ready to, to give up their pick for Darnold. If that weren't the case, I would say wait. If the talk was, all right, teams are lining up to give a – a two and a four or a three and a five, maybe hold out and get a desperate team. But if they're already able to fetch a one for him, like the talk is, I don't think you're doing more, much more than that, except maybe a desperate team giving you a one and a four. I, I, I wouldn't take that risk of waiting just to get a, a fourth round pick. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's way. a good point I, to me though. That's, that's the interesting thing is if Darnold gets moved when, when it happens, is it before I, the draft? It has to be before the draft. It would have to be. Because you lose, the Jets lose leverage as well. They lose leverage if they have Wilson and Darnold. Teams are going to turn around and say, well, yeah, we're desperate, but if, we don't, if you don't give them up, you're stuck with two of them. So it, it doesn't really matter to us. You know? So I think the Jets lose all their leverage too if they have both of them. Uh, so it almost mitigates how desperate the other team would be. Sure, they'd be desperate, but the Jets have no leverage. because they got You know, another thing too is you know very well the Jets have had to rely on their backup a lot the past couple of seasons. So it That's might true. not – it might not be bad in their in their instance. Like an RG3, Kirk Cousins type of thing almost. Yeah, we'll see what happens. As for Watson and yeah. Wentz, Wentz is getting moved. I'm thinking it's going to be Chicago. Wentz is- uh, yeah, Wentz is gone. I'm thinking it's going to be Chicago. It could be Indy, but um, I'm thinking Chicago will be his landing spot. 
And then Watson's the biggie. Obviously, you heard the interview with Brian Mitchell, and uh, he's like, Miami. I mean, you should be on the phone right now. You got a lot around Watson. If you deal him, you got the draft picks to do it. You got the warm weather. You got the no state income tax. Um, Miami and the Jets definitely make the most sense for Watson. But if I'm a team like San Francisco, man, I mean, if you add to PJ, Sean look, Watson to that, the list to of that teams, team, the, the list of teams that should be in on him is almost every team because he is, there's maybe four quarterbacks that you wouldn't give up currently in their situation for him. So the yeah. list is everyone. It just comes down to who has what the Texans would want. Um, I'm with you. I don't think Russell Wilson's going anywhere. I mentioned nah. that before. Yeah, he's staying. La- think about it. Last year, in the offseason, he was complaining in the media about not throwing enough on first downs and not throwing enough in general. And what they do this year? They chucked that ball the entire game. Mm-hmm. So this year he comes out and he says he wants more online help and he's frustrated with that. What do you think the Seahawks are going to do in free agency and the draft? They don't have their first-round pick. It belongs to the Jets. But what do you think they're going to do in free agency and the draft? They're going to prioritize offensive line. That's a whole thing for him. I think he's fine there. Watson, I- I'm sold he's on the move. It's sure it's 50% the fact that I'm a Jets fan and I want to see him with the Jets. But the other half of that is just logic. Like you've seen this time and again with players, whether it was Jamal Adams uh, throughout the league, teams will say they're standing firm and not getting rid of him. And what do they ultimately do? They get rid of him because if he doesn't want to be there, you're not going to want to risk just losing him for nothing. Someone's going to offer up a King's ransom. You're going to take it. And look, they got a new GM. They got a new coach. They're starting from scratch. And I tossed this out there last year, uh, just talking with some friends and, and my dad, just going back and forth with my brother, that with a new GM, considering that Bill O'Brien robbed them of all of their draft picks, it would make sense to trade Deshaun Watson. Now, I'm not saying this was before any of the issues with Easterby and, and the owner. Um, this was just a, a hypothetical, like, how do you re- rebuild? Sure, you're giving up the quarterback, but if you're starting from scratch and blowing it up, what better way? Uh, yep. it, it makes a lot of sense for them if he's not if he doesn't want to be there anyway. And there's teams like we mentioned, the Jets and Dolphins that could offer up what they want. Uh, John McClain, he's one of the most respected local beat writers throughout the league. He's a Texans beat writer. He said yesterday in a radio spot in Houston, he said that the Texans still remain firm that they don't want to give him up, which is fine. And I think that's just you know that's that's just them obviously trying to get teams to up the offer. He said they're still standing pat with that, but. If they move Watson, he said it would be to the Jets. His words, not mine. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Deshaun Watson will be a Jet as far as predicting where these four quarterbacks take their week one snap. I'll say Watson is a Jet. I'll say Carson Wentz is either with the Bears or the Colts. I will say that Darnold will be with whichever team doesn't get Wentz. I think both the Bears and the Colts will make that trade, and whoever doesn't get Wentz gets Darnold, and Wilson stays where he is. Those are the four big names. That's where I, I see him ending up. If Darnold does get moved, I think Carolina would be a team to Good spot watch too. out for. Good I think that too. could be a team for him. Um, yeah, but it's going to be a fun NFL offseason, as you said with Beamish. NFL never sleeps. The season might Absolutely. have been over, but uh, Absolutely. there'll be a and lot that, of stuff that, that happens. That brings me then to the next question. I said they were tied together. We, last year at this time, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were plus 4,000 to win the Super Bowl for all the conjecture about Tom Brady. So right here presently on February 11th, after the conversation we just had about some big quarterbacks who might be changing teams, plus just general knowledge of who's got cap space, who's picking where in the draft, who's already got a foundation in place, who are, who's the eighth, maybe not a couple teams, but who's a team that you look at maybe in that middle group 
that has as you know great odds like the Bucks did at plus four thousand, who would be worth a little sprinkle right now in the futures bets getting into the offseason. So I'd go right back to Carolina. They were a team that lost eight games by one score. Um, they obviously They're plus five thousand. Okay, yeah, they play in a tough division, as we know. They got the Bucks there. The Saints, you would think, would digress a little bit, depending on who they get at quarterback, but they're probably still going to be a playoff team. We'll see what Atlanta does with Matt Ryan. Um, but Carolina, it seemed like against the really good teams in the league, they all played them tough. They were right there. We both love Matt oh, Rule. We talked to Jermaine Carter Jr., and you know he said that his team was right there in a lot of games. They virtually didn't have McCaffrey for the whole season, and when you're missing one of the best players in the NFL, that hurts. Carolina would be a team in the NFC. AFC, I'd say look at the two AFC West teams. Justin Herbert, we'll see if he was a one-year wonder, but considering what he did without OTAs, without training camp, without preseason, with Anthony Lynn as his head coach, I mean, that, yeah, that guy – that guy was pretty damn good. Um, Derwin James was whole, the Chargers. Derwin James was hurt for the whole season, so you bring him back. You put him with Bosa and Melvin Ingram and Kenneth Murray. The Chargers, they that's a team that has the talent on paper. We'll see if they can put it all together. Obviously, they got to deal with the Chiefs. And then the Broncos would be the other team. If they can get the quarterback figured out, you know with Vic Fangio, they're going to have a good defense. They got two good running backs with Lindsey and Gordon. The receiving core, a lot of young options. Cortland Sutton was virtually hurt the whole season. If they can stay healthy, find the quarterback. Joe, we've talked about it. There are so many teams that are just a quarterback away. Yes. Um, and, and those, the Broncos and the Panthers, to me, they have a lot of pieces. And Von Miller, obviously, was hurt for the whole year. They have a lot of pieces around the quarterback that if you get the right guy, they, they could be some some sleeper teams to watch out. So as I said, the Panthers plus 5,000, the Chargers plus 3,000, and the Broncos plus 8,000. They are third from the bottom as far as the teams that you mentioned. Uh, those teams all make sense. A team that I'm looking at is the Falcons at plus 6,000. We saw what they were after the firing of Quinn when mm -hmm. the defense really ramped it up. There's obviously some holes on their roster. They got to figure out some money things, but they have enough pieces in place, I think, where they could already – get back to the top of a very tough division, especially if with um, uh, Arthur Smith coming in, if it has that kind of effect of when Kyle Shanahan was in charge of that offense, if it reinvigorates Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, let's not forget all these guys that they have in that offense and some solid pieces that they under the radar have on defense. Again, they showed out the last half of the season. They're at plus 6,000. You know, I'm going to have to say the jets they're plus 6,500. <laughs> if they get Watson, that's a game changer entirely. And the, the one thing that, you have to remember about the Jets situation is that Watson wouldn't be the end of it. They have after the um, cap settles in at about 180 million. And after their, the, the cuts that the Jets are certainly going to make just looking at uh, up and down their roster with the, the money that makes sense to move around. They're going to have almost a hundred million dollars of cap space before Watson. They're going to have about 75 million in cap space left after Watson. Um, they ESPN, Jeremy Fowler released their, initial free agency primer and again just talking to different uh different people in different organizations just kind of what the general feel is around some of the top free agents there's a general sense that Lindsley, who's one of the top centers in the league from the packers thuny one of the top if not the top left guard in the league from the patriots and Allen robinson one of the top receivers in the nfl all three will be Jets, is, is the general sense. You know, so I heard the same thing with the Mets and all four of their hey, free hey, agents, and you hey, got one. 
that's that's that was more fan casting on oh, my part. Oh, was it? Okay, <laughs> okay. This is, this is actually rooted in uh-huh. uh, reports from people, sure, and, and makes sense. So this sure. is so, so this is actually rooted in some reports. But all three of them, the team was projected to be the Jets, and Deshaun Watson. Obviously, you add him into the mix, and that's huge. Uh, the defense has some under the radar pieces already in place that are Pro Bowl caliber. Is CJ Mosley going to play? Is he going to? He play? will. Okay. I'm pretty sure he will. Uh, he, he took this pat. He opted out due to COVID this past year. He he's better be fresh after yeah, taking a year off and only playing two games the year before that. Robert Sala is one of the best coaches in the league when it comes to linebackers. You look at the the laundry list of linebackers he's had, yeah. incredible. So you've got a Pro Bowler at every level of defense with Quinn and Williams, CJ Mosley, and Marcus May on the back end. So at plus 6,500, if they get to Sean Watson, that's going to jump all the way up. You imagine to probably plus 2,500. So kind of like the Bucks last year get the value while you can and the other team in there b mitch mentioned it and i'll close with them dolphins plus three thousand. i mean the dolphins are another team that's obviously in on watson even if they don't get watson they have the pieces around Tua to go ahead and, and make a run at it anyway so those are the three that i would look at very nice yeah look the nfl that's why i love it it's because you can count out the jags for this season and the lions really yeah. but Every other team, especially else. especially if a quarter – and probably the Bengals. I mean, Burrow, I hope he doesn't play this year. We'll see if he yeah, recovers. Um, so probably those three. I know you said the Broncos have the third-worst odds, but, I mean, if they stay healthy and they get a quarterback, they, they really don't have many holes. I mean, they're, they're a pretty they decent Cor- team. They get Cortland Sutton back as well. Yeah. Cortland Sutton's coming back from his tour ACL. So, I mean, even all those teams in the NFC East that stunk, I mean, look, that division, as we know, is going to be up for grabs. And then once you get into the playoffs and you get a home game, yeah. you just – you never know what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, the NFL, it's the offseason, the draft, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Joe, a sport we haven't talked about much just because, you know, we've had football to talk about and college basketball and NBA and NHL have been back – the MLB, we're finally starting yep. to get some big moves. I joked about your Mets uh, a little bit ago. <laughs> George Springer went to the Blue Jays. Trevor Bauer went to the Dodgers. Andrew Benintendi last night went to the Royals. So we've had some shuffling. I'll just ask you point blank. I, I mean, is anybody going to beat the Dodgers? I, I would say, I mean, the, the safe money on that is no. And, and take They're a moment right now. Right just, now which take, is take a moment right now to just realize how good they are and appreciate it. <laughs> and I, I don't want to hear any talk about like uh, them, you know, going overboard with their payroll until it's outlawed in baseball. I know we used to hate the Yankees for it. I know people hate the Dodgers for it currently until they change the rules. They got the deep pockets. They're going for it. There's, there's absolutely nothing illegal about it. Okay. So I don't want to hear any of those complaints. Forget it. And also take a moment to appreciate now that we're finally closing the book on football for a little bit. We're footballed out. We're moving on (laughs) until, until the big ships start to fall. But I don't think there's anybody that could beat the Dodgers and they look getting Bauer. I don't think Bauer is, what he was last year he pitched in a 60 game season against the worst division in baseball right right and if he you know as the saying goes if, if he pitches to the back of his baseball card he's a two he's a maybe a low end one high end two but think about the dodgers what they already have in place you're putting a low end one high end two as like your four starter which is absolutely absurd with what they have so it's going to be (laughs) – look, they were unbeatable last year. They're going to be even better this year. You just hope they stay healthy. 
Um, don't know exactly what will be their Achilles heel. I mean, you look at that team and we'll, like the bullpen maybe, but like Kenley Jansen last year, you, you saw, you see what his ceiling is. You remember what his best days were. And that's really it. The bullpen, that, that's it. That's the well, only the thing that could collapse. See, and we've been talking about this off the pod from a pitching staff perspective. Like there are a lot of teams like the Padres can match up with them with Darvish, Snell, Paddock, right? The Mets, if they stay healthy, can match up with them with DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, the Cardinals. We know they have a good staff. But then when you get into the lineups, all these teams have two, maybe three good hitters. The Dodgers have like six. And then they just have like so many role players that would be starters on Absolutely. so many teams. And, and that's where it's the depth of the lineup. Look, the, the Mets Dodgers are close. The Mets the aren't advantage. far off of that. They don't have as good of a, a rotation. Cookie Carrasco also in there now too, another under the radar, really solid starter. Um, and then in their, in their lineup, again, they're not the Dodgers, but they're not as far off as you think because yeah, you're, I hitters, mean, you got, yeah. you're throwing in McNeil, who's a batting champ, Alonzo, who's a slugger, Lindor, uh, Donald Smith, J.D. Davis are kind of like your quote-unquote Justin Turner role. They might go ahead and get Justin Turner now. Uh, they added McCann, who is the second prize at catcher behind Real Muto. So, like, they have pieces. Again, not at the Dodgers caliber by any stretch of the imagination. But as far as you know, ranking the lineups after the Dodgers and, and pitting teams up against the Dodgers, they're not way, way back where it would be out of the realm of possibility for the Mets to make a run at the Dodgers in the playoffs. But – I mean, the Dodgers are head and shoulders above everybody else. And I'm, I'm excited. You know, you get out of football. You got now college basketball entering the home stretch. But spring training is on the horizon, and it's exciting uh, to hopefully have, like, a, you know, some Somewhat semblance normal. of normal season. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we, in, in New York, they're starting to lift the restrictions a little bit. They said that um, the, the large stadiums or arenas starting February 23rd, could have 10% capacity. So the Rangers are going to start having 2,000 fans at the games. The Mets and the Yankees will be able to, when the time comes, have about five or 6,000. So we're getting there. Nice. And the big thing is that I'm looking forward to seeing is a lot of these fans getting to greet their new players. They got a lot of new faces at new places this year. It, was, it wasn't really the hot stove. It was more of a crock pot. Like, it was a real slow cooking burn the whole time. Like, we, it's been that we, way kind of the last couple of years. I know. Like, the first bit, we had the first big domino to fall. The, you know, the first few went when Fringe kind of opened. And then there was, like, a big gap. And then there was the, then there was the Lindor trade. And then there was the, uh, quite a gap. And then there was the Arenado trade. And then right. sprinkled in there, there was, oh, by the way, Springer signed here. Oh, by the way, Real Muto signed here. Like, it, it was just all really dragged out and kind of – if you weren't checking your phone, you didn't realize till like, a couple days later, oh, I didn't realize that happened. I forgot that Blake Snell got traded to the Padres until you mentioned a couple minutes ago. Like, yeah. there's just so many <laughs> things that ha- – it happened so slowly and deliberately and over so much time and so quietly – that like you forget, but I'm excited to see new faces in new places. Uh, Springer going to the Blue Jays. Didn't even mention that one. Of all of those, which one do you think has the most immediate, massive impact on that franchise? It's a good question. Um, the most immediate impact. I I loved Springer to the Blue Jays. Mm. He look the Blue Jays, the AL East now, Joe. The Blue Jays I, are the Padres of the AL. They, they are, and as we, viewed the, as we viewed the NL last year, and we were like, it was the Dodgers and kind of everybody else. That's the way the AL is this year. It's kind of the Yankees and everybody else. The Rays have lost a lot. The Astros have lost a lot. So 
you look at the Blue Jays and you add George Springer in a hitter-friendly ballpark with all of that young mm-hmm. talent that they have, they they could be not only the second best team in the AL East, but maybe the second best team in the AL possibly. I wow. mean, this the AL Central. Look, the 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 Twins. I mean, they'll be good, but they're a good regular season team. They still have not figured out the postseason yet. And in the AL West, we hope that maybe that Rendon is healthy this year with the full season. The Angels have had a little have helped a little bit to help out Trout. Maybe they take a jump. But uh, again, at the Astros losing Springer is such a key part to that offense. They still have Altuve there and Bregman and Gurriel and all these pieces. But uh, I'm telling you, the Blue Jays are are a team I would watch out for, and Springer helps that lineup tremendously. Definitely solid. That's look. I mentioned all the big names that you might have forgotten. Change teams. They're all going to have some level of impact. Uh, Lindor, attitude-wise, is going to change things on the Mets. Bauer makes a ridiculous rotation even deeper. But the big one for me was Arenado. Arenado, he's not Mike Trout. So bear with me a second. He's not Mike Trout, but he's in that Mike Trout category of a guy who is absolutely elite. And you kind of forget that because he was playing on a on Rockies teams that usually weren't good. They had yep. the one off where they made the made it to the wild card, won the wild card, then lost it to the I think it was the Brewers that year, if I remember correctly. But he's in that mold. You forget how elite he is. And now you put him on a team like the Cardinals, who are in the thick of things every single year. And you think about that team at the corners right now. Arnado at third, Goldschmidt at first. They're a very dangerous team. Adding Arnado to that lineup that was last year. Look, they, they started, and then they were out for like three weeks because they had the biggest COVID outbreak of anybody uh, on their team, and they still ended up making it uh, in, into the postseason and being a solid team who's uh, always a tough out, again, in any given year. That's the one for me that was like, oh, they got something going on, and they gave up absolutely nothing to get him. I, you, thought the, you thought the Mets gave up nothing to get Lindor? The, the Cardinals turned around and said, hold my beer because they give up even less to get Arenado. They it was did. ridiculous. So yeah. uh, that, that was the one for me where I was like, okay, we got something going on here in St. Louis where they're going to be right back into the thick of things in the uh, possibly winning a pennant in the NL back to like, you know, from about 2005 to 2000 and what, 15, the Cardinals every year. It seemed like seemed like it. You, you, you blinked and they were in the NLCS somehow. Right. <laughs> it, it seems like it could and be the Giants. Yeah. One of exactly. The... It was one. Either they were against each other or one of the two were there for like an eight year stretch. So it, I, they're kind of getting back to that point and they're going to be very dangerous. I was kind of surprised at how quiet certain teams in the NL were like the Braves. And but look, those teams already have really solid infrastructure. Yeah. That, that Cardinals move really really stood out to me that's gonna be the Braves got Ozuna which was big the Nationals have gotten um some some like under the radar the moves that helps they got Schwarber they got hand they got another veteran starter I feel like that I can't think of John Lester that's who they ah, got yep. so they're bringing in you know not names that they once were but veteran guys to kind yeah. of round out that team but uh, you, you mentioned Arenado and the Cardinals. The best thing for the Cardinals is that they play in the worst division in baseball. They'll yes. win the NL Central, so they won't have to face the Dodgers in the wild card round or the NLDS mm-hmm. probably. So it's good to avoid that team as, as much as you can 
and uh, try I to hope go they fall deep. before you even got to deal with them. Right? Maybe the Padres lost. will knock them when, out. Or when they lost to the Nationals in five games, you look at the Dodgers. How many times have they faltered in the DS? Yes. Because they're such a good team that is so hard to beat in a seven-game series, but in a five-game series, different story. You look at just this this past year's NLCS. They were down three to one to the Braves. If it were the NLDS, three losses, you're out. But right. because it was the CS, they had that extra game of a buffer. They won three straight. They won the World Series. So that's, that's the round that you want to avoid the Dodgers in because you might not have to see them in the NLCS because that's the round where they've typically faltered. So Cardinals are in a good position. That move was huge. And, look, I'm excited for baseball. It's, it's, last year I was so jaded about baseball because I was like, look, it's a 60-game season. It, it's going to be weird. Yes, I credit the champion as a champion, period, end of sentence. Like, there's no question in my mind, no asterisks. But, like, I just wasn't excited about it. And so many teams missed so much time. So it, w- it went by win percentage instead of records. Like, it was just so, so odd. And it had such a dark cloud hanging over all the way to the end when the Dodgers had to pull Justin Turner in the last game of the World Series because he tested positive and then he comes back on the field and celebrates with them anyway it was ridiculous such a dark cloud over the league the whole season I'm I'm happy for this season to put last year behind us and get on to a new one and I'm sure Rob Manfred's gonna screw it up in some way anyway and take away all my excitement again but for now I'm hopeful I mean, that's what Bob Manford does. He's a thief of joy. So we'll see what happens. Real quick NBA talk, Joe. Um, The COVID bug is starting to hit the NHL and the NBA a little bit. NHL, the big talk has been Brooklyn. They've just not been as great yet as we thought they would be since acquiring Harden. Um, They won last night against Indiana. I think Brooklyn's going to be fine. We talked about this. Like When you bring three guys in like that, it's going to take time. Just have them get to the playoffs, and then in the playoffs when the game slows down and you have three dudes of that level of offense who will really try on defense in playoff series, the results will be much better. Um, The the surprise right now has got to be Utah at the top of the Western Conference, 20-5. and Very impressive. They are killing it. They've won five in a row. The Lakers have won six in a row. They're 20-6. and You know, in the Eastern Conference, the playoff picture is essentially what we thought it would be, except Mm -hmm. the Heat have really struggled. They're 10 and 14, and the Charlotte Hornets are currently the seven seed right now. They're playing really well. Charlotte's a fun team. We obviously work at at, uh, NBC Sports Washington, do Wizards and Caps games, and I watched the Wizards-Charlotte game, and it was really the first time I saw Charlotte all season. And I'm looking at their mix of veteran players with young talent. And I'm like, this is a solid. They remind me of, of those, those Pacers teams that like gave LeBron's Cavs some trouble every year in the playoffs. Yeah. They remind me of that. Where like, I don't envision them making any sort of playoff run, but like they're a team you don't want to face on a given night in the regular season. And when you face them in the first round of the playoffs, they'll probably, they might take you to six games out of nowhere. Uh, that, that's kind of where they fall in as far as the tiers in the NBA. Um, other than that, like you said, most things have gone to form. The biggest storyline and being in the New York market for now, uh, popping them on every other night. I've gotten a chance to watch a good bit of the Nets ever since they made the Harden trade. And when they get to the playoffs, it's going to be a different story because they've played down to their opponents and they've played up to their opponents. And in the playoffs, you're not, there's no opponents to play down to. They're all playoff teams. They're all solid. The Nets will raise their game. Uh, it's just a question of, like, at any point, 
will they play defense? I don't know that the answer to that question is yes. They're probably going to have to score 150 points a night, but they also can score 150 points a night with the firepower they have. So we'll see. I'm sure they'll mesh more as the season goes along. But, um, you know, again, right now, kind of hitting the middle doldrums of the NBA season. The NHL season, forget it. Like, we can't even talk about much right now because yeah, so many teams. teams are on pause. So we just got to kind of hope that that starts to figure itself out like the MLB did. I mean, the MLB had those issues early on. They figured it out. So hopefully the NHL does the same. But uh, one more thing on the NBA before we get to a quick look at college basketball. And we're throwing a lot at you today in episode 37 because, again, we've neglected some of these other sports with the run of the Super Bowl. And we're just catching up and, and kind of priming the next four weeks where we got the rest uh, of these sports to finally look forward to all at the same time. Exactly. Last thing with the NBA, almost at the midpoint because the All-Star break's coming up. First of all, it's – stupid that they're even thinking about having an all-star game that's going to blow up in their face yeah and i hope the players so take dumb. a stand like they're trying to start to already uh but that's a totally separate argument but at the midpoint nearly uh just revisiting the the early season picks we had for a regular season mvp and for rookie of the year the mvp odds have drastically changed it was a, a luka Giannis thing now they are five and six respectively it's lebron Embiid, Jokic, durant on the top four and out of that group I couldn't tell you which way it's going to go. All four of those guys have an equally good claim to it right now. And it's going to be a really fun race. The, uh, the, the margin on the odds is very thin. You got LeBron at 250. You got Embiid and Jokic at 450 and then Durant at 800. So it's a tight margin as well. Out of that group, you're hard pressed to bet against LeBron. Maybe it's a year where the voters finally uh, kind of just give him one to make up for all the years that he probably should have won it, but didn't. So that could be the thing here with him this year, kind of like how, uh, for Cy Young, I thought that uh, was two years ago now when it was Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander going head-to-head. Cole definitely deserved it with the numbers. But after having already robbed Verlander a couple of times, I think he got kind of a sympathy vote and beat go- go- went ahead and beat Garrett Cole. Yeah. I think you might get that this year with LeBron. Uh, so, I mean, the rest of the way, he's obviously the guy, the guy to beat. But Embiid and Jokic, two incredible big men, two incredible seasons for them right now. It's nice to see in this day of an age in NBA with three pointers and guards and spread you out that some of these bigs are still uh, are killing yep. it in the league. Embiid and Jokic are really, really good. Jokic to me could be the one to take if the Nuggets start winning because the Sixers got a lot of weapons. Obviously, the Lakers have a lot of weapons, but the Nuggets, if Jokic isn't playing well, then they are going to start losing mm-hmm. games. So if they go on a win streak, it'll likely be because Jokic is having 40-point triple-doubles or something. So he would probably be my guy to watch for MVP as of right now. Uh, LaMelo Ball on Rookie of the Year. He started the year as a favorite at plus 450. He's already up to minus 350 now. The next yeah, closest I, is Tyree Halliburton <laughs> at plus 600. I, I went ahead. I already cashed out my – I had the cash-out option. I already took my money. I didn't want to risk him getting hurt at some point uh, for almost the full profit. Of, of what the preseason bet was. I cashed out of that one already, so I'm a winner on that. Uh, LaMelo Ball, uh, look, I hope he stays healthy because he's been fun to watch. Yep. Uh, with no disrespect to Lonzo, LaMelo is certainly the much better brother. It's, it's night and day. It's Definitely. totally different. I wish LaMelo. we got to see him in uh, – in, I guess we wouldn't have seen him in March Madness because he would have been a yeah. freshman last year, but I do wish we got to see him at UCLA or whatever school he would have went to. Um, speaking of college, though, in UCLA – Joe, got a great Saturday slate. Again, so this Absolutely. upcoming Sunday, we got – will be a month until Selection Sunday. Oh, that's just fantastic. Uh, <laughs> we obviously had Lenardi on last week to kind of get us in the mode for that. 
Joe, hands down, 100%, the game that I cannot wait for on Saturday, that I'm circling, highlighting, starting, uh, starring, all that good stuff. Loyola Chicago at Drake at noon on ESPN Dose. The two best mid-major teams in the country in the Missouri Valley. Drake got all the headlines because they're undefeated. They went on a COVID pause, and they're 6-1 and one since, but they haven't looked quite like their same self. And Loyola Chicago is just rolling. They obviously made that Final Four run a couple of years ago. They still have their same coach um, in Porter Moser. But uh, it'll be a good game. I like Drake in this game on Saturday. A lot of people I just think are going to take Loyola Chicago because they're ranked, because they're rolling. But I love how Drake played. They full court press man-to-man. They pick you up. They run in transition. They got a lot of good athletes. And I cannot wait for this game. That is the game I'm most looking forward to. It's it's a good one. And it's one that's going to fly under the radar. And we're going to try to make this over the next four weeks a, a weekly thing to kind of replace best bets. We're not going to pick these games necessarily and do best bets for college basketball. But we're going to, in the place of best bets, we're going to go ahead and preview the, the top most impactful potentially games of the weekend that we want to watch. You mentioned uh, a month from Sunday, Selection Sunday. So we got to get into that mindset. And we're going to do yeah. that by looking at the top games of the weekend. For me, the one that I'm circling, it's on Saturday, 5 o'clock on Fox, number five, Villanova at Creighton. Creighton, in the conversation with Joe Lenardi last week, he was mentioned as a dark horse to go ahead and win the whole thing with Zagorowski and the talent that they have. They're 19th, Villanova's fifth, Creighton's at home. Great barometer for Creighton as far as figuring out where they stand among the contenders heading into the final month of the season. That yep. Big East tournament, when it comes around, is just going to be people mauling each other left and right. It's a tough conference, and, and anybody at any point could beat anybody. And I think we're going to see that. I like Creighton in this game. Villanova has had a couple of iffy performances this year. They went ahead and lost to St. John's recently. I think this is when Creighton kind of kicks it into gear like a horse entering the final stretch run at, Kentucky, at the Kentucky Derby. This is when I think Creighton's going to kick it into gear and start that closing run, and Ziggorowski's going to get hot. He's going to stay hot in the tournament, the Big East tournament, excuse me, and then see how far you can take him in March. This is the game that I've got circled for Creighton. I've had it circled for a while. Like you said, circle it, highlight it, star it, whatever. <laughs> this is the one that I've had on the radar for Creighton. I'm really excited for it on Saturday. That'll be a good game. And if Villanova really – I shouldn't say if they have any chance at a number one seed, but if they want to get a one seed, they got to win this game because we know Gonzaga and Baylor will be – the one seeds, we know Michigan will probably be a one seed. If Villanova loses this game, I think it's going to the the other Big Ten team, whether mm-hmm. it's Ohio State, Illinois. Um, I think one of those other Big Ten teams get it if Villanova doesn't. This is the kind of win they need after their COVID pause to get back on track and show the committee like, yeah, Villanova is, yep. is for real. And so that's, don't forget that's a, a couple call. other things. A couple other things to keep your eye on. You mentioned Loyola and Drake with the scheduling in the Missouri Valley Conference, this is one of those back-to-back doubleheaders. They're playing Saturday and Sunday. Don't yeah. forget that. They're playing Saturday at 12. They're playing Sunday at 3, both on ESPN2. So that's a double for you. And then on Sunday, as of now, scheduled, hopefully nothing changes, the return of Michigan. Long COVID pause for Michigan. 1 o'clock on Sunday, Michigan against Wisconsin, a ranked matchup as well. So that's another one. See how Michigan looks after. It's been about two and a half, three weeks off now. So – Curious to see if they are able to get right back at the ground running as the number three team in the nation, or if they take a bit of a step back for a little bit. And then two other games I'd probably just say that intrigued me. Oklahoma at West Virginia is a good one. Because of West Virginia, you think West Virginia, you think Bob Huggins, you think defense. 
West Virginia has been scoring the ball. Mm-hmm. And to me, they're, they're an underrated team in the big 12. It's crazy because a lot of these big 12 teams, West Virginia, Texas tech, um, Baylor, usually you just think defense, but all these teams can score. That should be a good game. And then the other one is Tennessee at LSU huge game for LSU. If they want to make the tournament as an at large LSU has struggled this year with teams that can defend and Tennessee is a very good defensive team. I, I, I like Tennessee in that game. LSU's offense is fantastic, but when, when teams can punch them in the mouth, when they can beat them up a little bit, LSU just struggles to fight back. Tennessee, we know Rick Barnes always has good bigs, good low post game. And uh, this, this is a big game for LSU, but I think Tennessee will win that one. So those would be the other two I keep an eye on. All right, like I said, in place of best bets, we got this uh, look ahead of the top matchups each weekend in college hoops. And just wanted to remind everybody that I did officially win best bets from PJ, and I will yeah. be getting Waffle yeah, House from PJ while he is wearing jet gear at some point when it is safe to do so. Uh, and with that, we get into trivia. And what's the score there now, PJ, as well? Score trivia. We are tied up at 14 and a half. That's right. We're tied again. Yeah. Tied again. Tied again. I will give you my question first this week. Okay. Yep. It's kind ahead. of a layup. I think it's a layup. That means um, I'll miss it. I wanted to go with kind of the theme of one of the big things we talked about with Beamish, which was that the draft is not an exact science and uh, more QBs than you think early on in the draft miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted you since 2015, since the 2016 draft, so the last five NFL drafts, I want you to give me, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, of, excuse me. Yeah. Seven of them since 2016, seven first round quarterbacks have made at least one pro bowl. Who are the seven? Since 2016, one quarterbacks that have made one Pro Bowl. All right. Josh Allen. Josh Allen made at least one. Lamar Jackson. Yep. Patrick Mahomes. Correct. Um, let's see. Carson Wentz make it that one year. Just 15 seconds into it. You got plenty of time. Baker Mayfield didn't make it. Uh, Kyler Murray. I don't think he made it. Joe Burrow. Excuse me, eight of them. Sorry, I lied. Eight. Eight. Okay. <laughs> oh, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Um. Twenty-five seconds to do it. Let's see. Ooh, was Herbert a Pro Bowler this year? I'll go Herbert. Justin Herbert. Strike one. Herbert not is not a Pro Bowler. Okay. Okay. Um. Let's see. Jack Prescott, uh, Carson Wentz. Did Wentz make it? I'm going to go Wentz that year. That Wentz he made got it in 2016. Hurt. He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. He didn't make it in 2016. He was drafted in 2016. Okay. Uh, golf, too. I think golf got golf one. also made it. He made it the Super Bowl year. Okay. Um, Kyler Murray, I don't think he did. You got two left. Okay. Um, you got 20 seconds left. Yeah. And two strikes to work, but still. Uh, and how many more do I need? Two. You got 10 two. seconds. I'll go Kyler Murray. Correct. And uh, Baker Mayfield. Strike two. Five seconds. And uh, Marcus Mariota. Nope. That was the year before, 2015. I thought you would get it because it's just – it's more of a recall of the quarterbacks who were drafted in the first round the last five years. But the one you missed was the one that I thought would trip you up. The one you missed was Mitch Trubisky. He made the Pro Bowl one year. I, the reason why I crossed my like mind, I said, but I thought this question was a layup just because all the other ones are kind of obvious. 
Um, but that was the one that I thought would trip you up just because he's so bad now and been so bad since. And it did. All right. Yeah, no, he, I mean, the year they, I stayed corrected that I thought it was a layup for you. The year they made the playoffs, he will, and he crossed my mind. I just, I didn't know if he had made the Pro Bowl, but wow, yeah, got me. Well done. All right. Mine for you is college basketball. And so what was crazy is that this week, the top 10 winningest programs in the history of college basketball, none of them are ranked. So if you can give me seven of the 10, I will give it to you. Seven of the 10 winningest programs in college basketball history. That is correct. Go Duke. Ahead. One. North Carolina. Two. Kansas. Three. Uh, as of this week, I don't think UCLA is ranked. Four. Four. Okay, three more. Um, shoot. Uh, let's see. Who are the other Blue Bloods? Um, Indiana. Five. Five. All right, now it gets tough. Winning this program in college basketball. Uh, is Syracuse on that list? Six, yes. All right, Syracuse. All right. One more. One yeah, you got plenty more. of time. You got 50 seconds. Yeah. Uh, I don't think mm, – I think this is going to be my first strike because I don't think they have the history, even though they've been great in the last 15, 20 years or so. Is Florida on the list? Florida's not. Not on the list. Okay. Nope. Strike one. Um, yep. Let's see. In the Big Ten, 30 seconds. Uh, in the Big Ten, Maryland, there's no way Maryland's one of the 10 winningest programs in history. We got a good history. We don't have that great of a history. <laughs> um, who else in the Big Ten is on right that's like good? I don't think it's anybody else in the Big Ten. I think it was just Indiana. Out West? Could it be out West? 15. Um, gosh. Um, 10. Is Florida State on there? It is not. No, you got five no. seconds left. And the, the last, the last one's more of just a, a throwaway. Thinking they, they, they've got a great history. Go ahead. And they've stunk recently. Georgetown. Not Georgetown. No. All right, Joe, you're gonna kick yourself. You didn't say Kentucky. Oh, just like <laughs> Lenardi. I didn't right. say Kentucky. That's why I was laughing in my head. They, oh my they're God. the number one team. You rattled off Duke, UNC, Kansas, oh my and then God. I'm like, oh, he's gonna get, and then you just stop. But well done on Indiana Syracuse. Wow. That's why I made it seven because I didn't know if you get Syracuse. The Who other were the other teams. The other teams were St. John's, okay. Notre Dame, and Temple. Temple's number five. Temple on the didn't list. cross my mind. Yes. Notre Dame crossed my mind. I couldn't remember if they had that kind of history. St. John's crossed my mind when I was thinking Georgetown and, and like the old Big East, but I went with Georgetown. Um, I mean, I can't believe I just did what Lenardi did last week where he, he thought he said Kentucky, but he didn't Man, because Kentucky for last, for last year's question of last year, for last week's question, Kentucky was twice on the list. Yes. And Lenardi <laughs> didn't get it. And for me, they are the worst of the blue bloods this year. And I mentioned all the blue bloods except for Kentucky. Um, Hey, you know what? Besides our first names being Joe, Lenardi and I have something else in common. There now. you we go. Left Kentucky out of a very obvious trivia question. Hey, you know what? I don't feel so bad now about you not getting what I thought was a layup because I missed something else that was just staring me in the face like you did. I, uh, it's going to be funny because every college basketball trivia question from now on for the rest of time, Kentucky will always <laughs> come across your mind. They will always <laughs> you're cross gonna, your you're mind. You're going to ask me who, are, who, who have the least, uh, the least wins in the last 10 years. And, like, I know, obviously, Kentucky is one of the most winningest programs. I'm going to say them on principle, even if it sacrifices a strike. <laughs> exactly. It's on principle. <laughs> yep. 
So they're, they, yeah, they're number one, Kansas two, UNC three, Duke four. Those are your top four. And then Temple was five. And then, of course, uh, we had John Chaney pass away this week. So shows you what kind of coach he was yeah. to get him there, number five. Bayheim, Syracuse six, John Wooden and UCLA, all those wins seven. Notre Dame, St. John's, Indiana. What's crazy is that it's actually the top 13 teams are not ranked. So okay. Arizona, Utah, Cincinnati, 11, 12, 13 are also not ranked. Arizona was a team I thought maybe you would throw in there. They They're number 11. They're they crossed 11. my mind. So I, I'm glad that they were close if I would have said them. But I can't believe I didn't say Kentucky. That's going to haunt me. <laughs> That's, Big we, li- we literally were joking about Lenardi doing that last week. And I did the same exact thing. Oh, well. Well, still tied up at 14 and a half. So there we go. Well, thanks again to Brian Mitchell for joining us. Great talking to him, especially after the Super Bowl. Loved hearing his story about how him and Brett Favre played quarterback against each other. And and he played better than Favre did. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) So uh, thanks to him. Next week, we'll have Davey Siegel on to recap the Daytona 500. That'll be, that'll be NASCAR fun. for dummies. That episode. Na- I'm looking forward be. to it. <laughs> he sent me a uh, Snapchat. He just got uh, some waffle house. From one of the yep. Daytonas. So he's enjoying he's, his time down there. He sure is enjoying himself. Australian open too. Uh, next week will be like in the semifinals or will Plus, you set an alarm to wait? If it's Nadal and Djokovic, will you set your alarm at 5am to wake up for that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Forget the alarm. If it's if it's, if it's a three a.m. match, I probably just won't go to sleep and just kind of <laughs> make up the sleep the next day. Right. So. That's that's fair. Fair enough. All right. That should be good. Um, episode thirty-seven for Joe. I'm PJ, and see you next time.